town. He's kind of on loan um, from another church, helping another church. And, and we were in a, a pastor's prayer group. There's like three of us. And we were supposed to pray for each other, so we were sharing our requests. And uh, I said, well, you know the way you could pray for me is you could pray for me in leadership, that I'd become a better leader. And he said, I said, that's my specialty. I said, really? He said, yeah, that's what I do. I, I'm, I'm into leadership. And I said, well, could I meet with you sometime and talk about it? He said, sure. So after we, we prayed, and then I called them later in the week, and we got together, and, and then we met another time recently. And it's been so good because this guy is good with leadership. And what's different from the normal way that I approach this is instead of reading a book or going to a conference, I've got a personal coach. And I've not had that before. And a guy, I can share with him some of my challenges, some of my hesitancy, and he can address those things. And then it's not only that, but he, I can really tell he really wants me to succeed. And, I, you know, he texted me this past week, you know, how'd it go last week? And it's like, wow, that is so cool to have somebody that's kind of watching and caring for you. You know, I mean, being loved like that and cared for is such a big part of life. We need that so much. Over these next six weeks or so, we're going to be talking about love, specifically loving like Jesus. And that is a tall order, isn't it? I always go, oh, 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 this is not in my wheelhouse. I don't know about you, but like, you know, I'm, I'm not the real feeling type of guy. And I always think you have to be a real feeler to be a good lover. You know, it's like, well, you know, that's not essentially what it's about. But, but I don't know about you. You may feel a little deficiency in this area. How do we love like Jesus? I mean, Jesus' love changes the world. Jesus' love got him to die on a cross for us. I mean, his love was like, it turned... Israel upside down and we're supposed to love like him how can we possibly do that but it is a very high priority um, second greatest commandment Jesus said is to love your neighbor as yourself that means if we aren't loving other people we're kind of missing the point of life uh, other time Jesus said to his disciples we read it he says all men are going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another he says so love one another so we're helping the world to know and be attracted to Jesus when we love each other. Okay, we actually help them to know God. And then one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, it's this beautiful chapter on love that's like, it's so rich in imagery. You know, it's like poetic. It's almost like Shakespeare. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. It's like, wow. And then he just goes on to describe what love is and what it's not. And then at the end, he says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You think about it. How powerful are hope and faith? Faith can save your life. Hope will keep your life going. And Paul's saying, Love is greater than faith and hope. So it must be, this is like, we need to tune into this. We need to know what this is about. So here's my, my encouragement to all of us is to, to uh, improve in this area, to grow, to move the needle forward in being a more loving person. Sometimes they think, we think we should learn how to love in one week, we, and then we fail in our attitudes, our actions, especially, right, when you go home to be with your family. That's usually the first place we fail in our marriage or with our kids. 
And then we go, ah, and then we just kind of give up. I can't do this. I'm not cut out for this. But it's like, hey, be patient with yourself. Just move the needle. Even the Bible says that. Peter said this in the second in Second Peter. He said, add to your faith goodness to goodness knowledge. He keeps going on all these qualities. And at the end, he says, add to and then add to uh, godliness. Um, um, no, add to godliness mutual affection, and then mutual affection love. He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your life. So increasing measure. So all we have to do here is increase when it comes to love. Get a little better than you were last week. We don't have to be complete. We don't have to master this. But can we get better than we were yesterday? Love is so good for us. It helps us lose our self-absorption. Our judgmental attitudes. It changes our responses to our adversaries. It removes the resentments and the barriers that we build up against them. Love helps to heal people's broken hearts. We've said before, you know, people get broken in relationships and they get healed in relationships that are loving. You know, in one study, students were told to do two things. One was do one pleasurable activity and then do one kind or loving activity. And they're going to try not to figure out which activity did they benefit from more. You know what they benefited from more? Love. That that they felt better throughout the day when they did a loving activity. And they didn't feel that way when they were doing a pleasurable activity. So like college students just felt better doing an act of love. Um, Another study was conducted and they found out that kindness and love produce the hormone oxytocin which leads to better cardiovascular health and slows the aging process. So love is actually good for the lover. It helps your own body, your own health, when you love another person. So as it is with everything God talks about, you're always better off. Your your, your well-being is so much better when you do these things. So we're going to tune into five ways that Jesus loved. We're going to take each week one of those ways. That we specifically can love like him. Okay? And today the, the, the focus is on awareness. Awareness. Okay? So here's the story of Zacchaeus. One day Jesus was traveling through the town of Jericho. Jericho is located. Okay, you go, go up the mountain to Jerusalem. It's about 3,000 square feet. Um, it, it snows in Jerusalem. I've been there in Jerusalem when it snowed. It's high enough to get really cold. To freeze. And then you go down the mountain and you come to Jericho below that. And then below that is the Jordan River and the Dead Sea. And Jericho is like in this really nice area and they have these balsam groves and palm trees. And back in the day it said it would scent the air for miles around. Today uh, I've heard they have great oranges. Um, Jericho is known for great oranges. So it's kind of a lovely place that people liked to go to, but also there was another thing tacked onto Jericho. It's kind of like San Francisco or California. Oh, it's a nice place to live, but your taxes are really high, right? That was Jericho. They had really high taxes because Rome knew we can gouge these people. So Rome was the superpower that was over Israel. Israel was the lackey. They were under the thumb of Rome. And Rome, to collect taxes, would take a, the, they'd kind of like contract out, or people would bid to be able to collect the taxes in these cities. And they would be Jews who would be doing the tech, tax collecting. So they're kind of like friends of Rome. 
gouging their own countrymen to get rich, and they were not liked. They were, these were hated people. And so Jericho, there was a, tax, there was a number of tax collectors, and the, and the uh, kingpin tax collector, the chief tax collector, was named Zacchaeus. He was a short little guy, but he had a way with money, and he would collect, this, he, he would collect the taxes, he would up the mount a little bit for himself. He'd skim off the top, put it in his pocket. And then he had these other tax collectors under him. And he would take the money from them. He, he got a cut from their tax collecting. So he was a really wealthy guy, Zacchaeus. And because he was a guy who was working for Rome. And because he was a guy who was making everybody in Jericho's life a little less good than it could have been. Because he was taking their money. He was not a beloved character. They hated Zacchaeus. Because of that. On the other hand, Zacchaeus, he had bet his life on money making him happy. And he had a lot of it, but it wasn't working. And that's the Zacchaeus that nobody saw. Nobody could look into Zacchaeus' heart and say, he's a very unhappy man. He's missing something. Until one day, Jesus came to town. And that all changed. I want to read this story. See if you have a Bible, either on your phone or an old, old school paper one. Zach, uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So let's look at that. The people saw the greedy, conniving, dishonest, selfish side of Zacchaeus. He was just about the last man in Jericho that Jesus should have been hanging out with, right? That you would think. I mean, they were all muttering under their breath, I can't believe he's going to the house of a sinner. He comes to Jericho, this nice city. Who does he choose to be with? Like this public enemy number one. Why is he doing this? And that's all true. Zacchaeus was those things that they thought. But that's not all that he was. And because they weren't aware of all that was going on in Zacchaeus, they didn't see it, they didn't see him, and they didn't help him. Has it ever occurred to you that there could be somebody in your life that you're not getting? You're not understanding? Because you don't really see them for who they are? I believe that's pretty common. That we miss people. I mean, think about it for yourself. How many times do you not get gotten? You know, people miss you. People don't understand you. You ever had charges leveled against you in some way? You're just like, how could they think that I was like that? You know, Jesus was a master at being thoroughly aware and mindful of people. 
to me, I think if he was here the way he was back then, it would be, he would make you a little uncomfortable because he would know what you were thinking and feeling. We'd be around somebody like that. I mean, he's, you remember, he, he's a, these guys bring this paralytic one day, this guy can't walk. And there's so many people around Jesus in this house that they can't get through the crowd. So they decide the four friends take him up on the roof. They peel away the roof and lower him down. And Jesus, instead of healing him, he says, your sins are forgiven. Like what? He didn't come here for that. He came to get forgiven. He came to get healed. Why are you talking about forgiveness? And there's all these religious leaders thinking around, who does he think he is that he can forgive people? Where they were thinking this. And Jesus said, I know what you're thinking. You think I can't forgive sins. Well, let me show you how I can forgive sins. And and he says, I'll I'll prove it to you by healing this man right now. To show you the authority I have to forgive sins. Which is exactly what he did. He proved that he had the authority. But he knew what they were thinking. And Jesus was always like that. He knew. He just knew stuff. You think about it. Jesus is going through Jericho. And he's surrounded by a crowd of people. And he gets to the tree where Zacchaeus has climbed. And what does he do? He stops. Now, would everybody do that? Would everybody notice somebody in a tree who's surrounded by a crowd? You're the star of the show. Well, Jesus saw that. He recognized what was going on, even though there's this mob of people around him. He not only stopped when he saw him, but then he, he looks up in the tree and he calls him by his first name, Zacchaeus. You need to come down. It's like, how did he know his name? We don't know that they'd ever been formally introduced. Zacchaeus, come on down. And then he said, and then he knew what Zacchaeus needed. He says, listen, I'm coming over to your house for lunch today. Because what did Zacchaeus need? He didn't need more money. He didn't need a new house. He didn't need a new donkey. He was empty. He needed Jesus in his life. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come and give you life. I'm going to come into your life. And it will change everything. And Zacchaeus was like, Yes. Yes, that's what he needed. You know, I mean, the awareness of Jesus in his ability to love somebody was that he knew what they needed and he could touch their heart. You know, I, am, I amaze myself sometimes at how unaware I am. I just sometimes look, how could I have missed that? I mean, I, I write all of my family's birthdays on my desktop calendar in red, Right? So I've got eight grandkids. So I can remember everybody. It's getting tough. They're just filling up. It used to be a lot easier with my brother and my sister and my parents. But now it's all these grandkids. And so I write it in red. And August 28th, Titus's birthday. And I'm, it's Wednesday. And I'm looking right at Wednesday, August 28th, in red. And I miss it. I don't even see his birthday. How could I miss Titus's birthday, it's written in red. I, I just amazed myself. I'm thinking, how can I do that? We, we have an, an incredible capacity for perceptual blindness. They do these experiments. I don't know if you've ever been in, you ever wonder if something's happening? You wonder, am I a part of an experiment right now? Well, they do these experiments on like college campuses. And they did this one experiment, experiment to find out how blind people were. That the things that they don't see. So, so the, 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 the guys who don't know what's going on, they're going to be asked a question for directions by somebody. So the person in the experiment who knows what's going on, so he's standing there talking to this, let's say a college student, asking him for directions. And while they're talking, two guys with a a, a wooden door walk between them. 
And in that, those couple of seconds that the door passes between them, they switch the guy asking for directions. He's a different height. He's dressed differently. He sounds differently. He's a completely different person. And then the door passes through and they continue the conversation. In that experiment, 50% of the people being asked directions did not even notice that it was a different person. So we miss things, don't we? Completely. How, how did I miss that? How, how do I miss my, my grandson's birthday? How do, we, how do you do that? You know, one of the things that we, you kind of wonder, well, how, why does that happen to us? And we don't, we're not aware. And if we're not aware and we're not seeing, then we're missing, we're missing people. And one of the reasons they believe that that's true is because of our agendas. Our agendas to save time. Our agendas to save money and energy and time for ourselves and to do what we want to do. That we're not aware of, of the people around us. Loving like Jesus will interrupt our agendas, our to-do lists, our goals, our thought patterns. But again, if the goal of life is to love well, then... We're actually reaching God's goal for us when we interrupt our agendas to care for people. You know, Jesus told another story about this, about somebody being interrupted to love well. So a guy, again, the stories of Jericho. And this one, this is like, this is a parable, so it's not like this one. The one about Zacchaeus actually happened, that's history. The story about the Good Samaritan is a parable. He's making the point of, Who's your neighbor? Who you're supposed to love? And so he tells the story. Another guy going down to Jericho, a, a popular place, and he gets mugged. He gets beat up and left for dead. He's lying there on the side of the road. Uh, you know, he's bleeding. He can't help himself. And then two guys come by that you think these men should probably help him because they're religious leaders, but they don't. They cross the other side of the road. They walk on by. They say, hmm, I've got something to do at church. I've got to do my, my religious thing. And so they don't pay any attention to him. A third guy comes by, and here's the deal. This guy should not be the hero of the story because this guy's a bad guy. The Samaritan doesn't have the same impact that it would for a Jew back in the day because Samaritans were like half-breed Jews whose fathers and people sold out to other idols. And it, it was bad blood because there were Jews in the south, the orthodox true blue Jews, who were actually being killed by this Greek leader because they would not bow down to his false god. And they were being murdered, these Jews. And the guys in the north, in Samaria, were not because they were adopting the idols of these, these foreign leaders. And so there's bad blood between the Jews in the south and the Samaritans. So a Samaritan comes by that Jews don't like. And what does he do with the guy lying dead on the He's dying on the side of the road. What does he do? He gets off of his donkey. He takes stuff out. He attends to him. He gives him something to drink. He puts him on his donkey. He walks him into town. He pays for his hotel bill. He says that there's any more expenses to the, to the hotel owner. He says, go ahead and let me know, and I'll pay for it when I come back. So here's the bad guy in the story, the Samaritan being the good guy and the hero, because he took time to see and, and to let his, his, his um, agenda be interrupted for a moment to help this guy. So a big thing, if we're going to love well, we've got to be aware. And if we're going to be aware, we have to slow down. We have to look around at people and see them. You know, um, I just think of, uh, you know, uh, more than 50% of Americans today are single. So the majority of Americans are single and they're not married. And for those of you who are single and go to situations, 
How do you feel sometimes? That's hard. Isn't, isn't it awkward being single? I kind of on this hike that we did, I could kind of see some people who looked like they were alone. I could see that they were like looking to get connected and say hi to people and, and just have conversation. I, you, I, I mean, I feel for them. You know, I've been in those places where I've, I'm not single, but I've been alone, you know, and I felt like, um, I felt like the invisible man. Nobody sees me. Nobody even really looking at me. And that's not a good thing. To be loved, you've got to be aware of the person. Just like Jesus was of Zacchaeus. I mean, nobody else was paying attention to him, but the master did. And so we've got we to be aware. We've got we to slow down. 20,000 Christians said that they found that busyness is the greatest challenge to being aware or being mindful of other people. And mindful of God is busyness. The number one problem. So what can you do to be more aware so that you can love the people that cross your path? What can we do? So these are on your notes. If you want to write these down and help me help you to remember these things. First of all is this. Be still and know God. Be still and know God. Um, I've, I've just felt convicted lately, you know, that I'm just too distracted a lot of times. And for about a month now, I've said I'm not going to listen to the radio. Because I'm, not, I'm just not aware of th- as, as aware of things as I need to be. And I need to turn that off. So when I'm in, encountering people or whatever I'm doing, I don't need all that stuff in my head. So be still and know that he's God. Um, you know, the, a, a, a poet, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, wrote, The earth is crammed with heaven. Do we see that? The psalmist said, The whole earth is filled with his love. Do we sense that? Now, how, how can we kind of declutter? So be still and know God. Second thing is this ask for wisdom. I love this prayer in Ephesians 1.17. Let's read this together. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that's a great prayer, asking God to give you the spirit of wisdom, to know what to do in a given situation, revelation that your eyes would be open. Why? So that you can know him better. Maybe, I believe so, not maybe, that we'll know him in our interactions with people. We'll see him stirring and working. And we'll be ready to act. So third thing is this. Is act when you see God moving. Respond in the moment. Chapter 19, verse 5. Uh, let's look at that one. Let's read this together. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So as soon as Jesus knew that something was going on in Zacchaeus' life, he not only talked to him, he says, we're going to do something. We're going to spend some time together. That's the spirit of Jesus. When he sees something going on, when he's moving, he acts. And if the spirit of Jesus is working in us, he's calling us, now, now you need to do something. It's your time to act, to step out. You know, I want to pray. And again, I said... As I said earlier, let's, let's just move the needle. Some? Can I, Lord, can you help me see better than I've been seeing yesterday? Could you make me aware of what's going on in people's lives around me? Um, real, I want to get people. 
And I want to get into their heart. I want to know what they're feeling. I want to know what their dreams are. I, know, I want to know where they're hurting and, and go there. But also, we also need to receive him, his life, so we have something to give. It's not all about us just doing it. It's having his presence in our life so we have something to give away. So it's both in. It's receiving the love of Christ and it's giving the love of Christ away. So I'd like us to stand up as we close this morning. Just uh, would, would bow your heads. I want you to think, uh, are you kind of like Zacchaeus feeling in your heart that, you know, there's something missing? And maybe you've been a successful person. Maybe you've had a lot of good going on. But there's just been something missing. And it's been, it's been him. And, and he's saying to you, I want to come to your life. I want to come into your house. I want, to live in, I want to live in your heart. I want to be your friend. I want to be your savior. And you just need to let him in today. It's an act of faith. You just believe. God loved us so much, he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall have life. It's that simple. And so I want to give anybody the opportunity to do that this morning. To receive Jesus as their friend and their savior. And you can just pray this prayer in your heart. Jesus, I need you. And I am welcoming you into my life today. I ask that you would forgive everything I've done wrong, all my sin, and make me clean and make me new inside. Thank you for paying the price on the cross for me that I don't have to pay my own debt. So come, give me your life. Let me live in your love. And help me to follow you. And for others of you to pray that God would give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we'd be still and quiet, that we would recognize what he's doing so that we could love like Jesus loves. So Father, we we ask you to give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would recognize your activity in the world around us, that we would be willing to stop in that moment and join with you, just like Jesus, the way you did, you stopped at that sycamore fig tree, you changed your schedule, your agenda, you ended up at the house of a stranger, Because that's what the moment called for. Because you came to seek and save lost people. And that meant your agenda could just be blown up in a moment. So Father, we ask you to do that inside of us. Make us loving people. Make us more loving. Help us to increase more and more of this. No matter where we're starting from, God. If we feel like we're not very good at this. If we're like getting a D on our report card in love. God, help us to get a C minus. We're getting a B plus. Help us to get an A minus. But help us to do better. Help us to know, Lord, what needs to change inside of us. And give us eyes to see. Thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed to receive Jesus, I just want to encourage you to tell somebody today, okay? All right. God bless you. Have a great day.